When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host Jordan Hill. Once again, got the whole crew with us uh, for what promises to be another busy week of the summer for Georgia football. Benjamin Walt, Kip Adams. We got Ben in his car down in Atlanta, hitting the road and keeping uh, keeping us all busy and uh, up to date on everything going on. Uh, ben, how has the start of this week looked for you as uh, we get ready once again to uh, you know close in on July? As, as hard as that is to believe. Yeah, you know, obviously there's a lot that we're going to be looking at from the 2024 class. Um, there's everything seems to be happening all at once in June and July. It feels like I'm in the car. We'll keep we'll keep that a mystery where the car is going. But you'll obviously see some coverage throughout the week. Hopefully we get you some good stuff. It'll be some 2024 stuff, but it'll also be some look ahead for 2025 stuff as well. Obviously, with close to 20 guys already in the class, I think it's a good time to start looking ahead, even though there's obviously going to be important news that's happening over the course of the next few weeks as well. Kip, how is this week treating you as uh, we roll through another one? Man, uh, it's 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 been a great week coming off of uh, Father's Day. Always always good to uh, spend time with family, but um, you know what? It, it's it's actually been overwhelming just the amount of uh, info that's that's going out right now. Not just on Dogs Two Four Seven, just in recruiting in general. It seems like just a week ago uh, we were look, looking down at Florida's class and and wondering, you know, what, what's going on? How, uh, you know, uh, how's Billy Napier uh, doing down there? And my, how things have changed quickly as they are in the top five in the twenty four seven sports team class ranking. So just a lot going on this month. It's just uh, it's the the new world of recruiting right now. Still kind of adjusting to it. I think Kirby Smart and his coaching staff have adjusted a lot better than I have. But you know what? You know, I'm I'm ready to go with the flow and and uh, dive in and, and talk about all that that's going on right now with the Bulldogs. Had to shout out Christian Clemente from over at Auburn Undercover saying the Ben Wolk fan club is reporting for duty. That that's the only way to set this podcast up well. I won't, wouldn't you say? Growing so? by the minute. <laughs> Well, before we get into some of the recruiting news, I want to get y'all's feedback on the 2024 SEC schedule for Georgia. Talked about it a little bit, previewing it last week. I did a podcast just briefly talking about how it sort of bore out. I'll start with you, Kip. What did you make of what Georgia wound up with, what their SEC schedule will look like in 2024? Well, I think the winners uh, of the schedule are Georgia fans at home. Uh, The big losers on that schedule are George season ticket holders. Uh, you know, you could not have, I, I don't want to say couldn't ask for a worse schedule, but just a more disappointing schedule. Um, as I said before, just the knowing that the four best games aren't going to be at home uh, is kind of a, a gut shot there. Um, but I, I think, you know, you look at the overall balance of as far as schedule strength, I think, you know, there's not really a team in the conference that's going to have a cakewalk. 
if you're Georgia, you, it's just bring it on. And you have the narrative for this year as far as his schedule uh, being, you know, easy, manageable for Georgia. And, and then it ends. You know, next year, uh, Georgia will earn everything it gets. So I still think it's, you know, I got to bring up not going to Texas A&M. You know, uh, I, I just still think that going to Texas before going to Texas A&M is, is still just uh, mind boggling. Um, other than that, you know, you just got to be pumped. You can't really, we, we talked about it, playing at Alabama, the 2020 game, not really being able to go there. And then this team being better prepared for that. That that's a positive. You should be excited for that and big games in general. You want to you want to be in big games, and Georgia's got an opportunity to be in a lot of them next year. Ben, what were your takeaways from how the schedule turned out? I mean, I think to Kip's point, like it sort of depends what side of the fence you're on. Like if you're a road dog and you want to go to all these games, like you get to go to Austin, you get to go to Tuscaloosa. Like you're obviously going to enjoy that. And if you're sitting at home, you're going to enjoy the big games that are going to be on the schedule. That first year in the new sort of era of the conference at the same time if you're a season ticket holder I mean I I think I put this out there but like if you look back to 2020 the number of teams that have been in Stanford Stadium I mean there's so many good programs Alabama Texas A&M hasn't been there since 19 obviously and Georgia hasn't gone there but A&M um, obviously Texas or Oklahoma, LSU, obviously Florida, which we won't even get into to that. But like those are all some of the best programs in the SEC and none of them will have been in Stanford Stadium in the 2020s during arguably the greatest era in Georgia history. It's like those are the types of games that season ticket holders want to be in Stanford Stadium so that you can see them, you know, in your home stadium. But um, obviously the the burn of like a, a tough schedule and things like that probably probably don't feel it as much now in the 12 team playoff era like it a tough schedule probably doesn't feel as you know brutal as it does now where it feels like you kind of have to win all of your games so I think that changes things a little bit too and I think that if you look across the SEC everybody's got a pretty tough schedule some people might have caught slightly easier breaks than others I think A&M missed Alabama and Georgia so that's obviously a pretty good break there but mostly everybody, uh, you know, is going to have a pretty tough go at things. No doubt. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about it all the way up to September 2024. And uh, we'll have plenty to talk about once we close in on that schedule. Uh, Well, let's uh, flip over to more recruiting news for Georgia. Uh, On Monday, Georgia gets another commitment, this time a 2025 commit. Tay Harris, who uh, has stood out as a defensive back at Cedartown High School, which has been quite uh, quite good to Georgia over the years, obviously with Nick Chubb a few years ago and C.J. Washington a couple of years ago before he got hurt. Uh, Kip, I'll start with you. What what sort of grabbed you about Tay Harris or what stands out to you, them getting this commit in 2025, adding their sixth commitment in the 2025 class, which currently sits number one in the nation? Well, uh, you know, a, a quiet – uh, ho-hum recruitment for a prospect out of Cedartown. This sounds like that's on brand. You know, I, you could tell by his social media feed that Tayaris was excited about camping at Georgia, getting the Georgia offer. He kind of knew at that point, you know, if, if they're saying he's got a spot in the class, he's going to take it. And for, for me, I'm just looking at just purely the measurables and the film. He looks like a perfect fit at the star position for Georgia. Just a you know the a bigger defensive back, six foot, you know, 100, 185 pounds going into his junior season, and a guy that's got low uh, ten second one hundred meter times already. You know he could end up in that 
10-3, range when all is said and done. Uh, that kind of speed, you know, and just having the experience on film, the production on film, this seems like a perfect fit. You know, you don't really worry about offer lists at this stage. Uh, if George is taking him and he's an in-state guy, uh, you, you probably think he, he impressed that coaching staff uh, with that camp la- uh, earlier this month and, and getting that offer. So uh, I just think that that's an easy add to the Georgia's recruiting class, one that probably won't get a lot of pub over, over the next uh, year and a half, uh, but a guy that looks like he can be very productive in Georgia's secondary. That's exactly what they look for in all their DBs. Then you had a chance to talk to his coach there at Cedartown. What were your takeaways from what you learned and then just generally what you think about this addition? Yeah, well, I mean, I've really enjoyed talking with coaches about these commitments as well. Obviously, they're going to give rave reviews about their players, but I think you get a good perspective into the types of people that they are and how they're going to fit in on a football field. Um, in Tay's case, Kip mentioned it. He ran a 10-7 as a sophomore. That's going to improve throughout his junior and senior years. If he's a you know low 10 guy at the end of his senior year, it really wouldn't be surprising to me. And, you know, his coach kind of kept it pretty simple. He said he went, he, he got offered by Georgia or he went to a camp, he got offered and he wanted to commit pretty quickly. Like he's a no nonsense kind of guy. Once he knew that Georgia's coaching staff wanted him and was willing to take his commitment, he didn't need to see much else. Um, you know, he played 15 games, started all 15 games in the secondary for Cedartown last year, but he did a lot more than that. He was in the return game. He's going to be called upon a lot more offensively this year. So this is a, a true athlete, but to Kip's point, is going to end up in the defensive backfield for Georgia. And I know what people will say. We didn't have him ranked either when he made his commitment. That's not a Tay Harris problem. Trust me, that's something that I'm sure will get taken care of as well. If Georgia's willing to take your commitment as a defensive back and you know before your junior season starts, you probably should look at the track times and look at the film, and it sort of speaks for itself. So I think nobody will be upset about a Cedartown football player that wears 27 ended up at, uh, at Georgia. No doubt. A Cedartown Bulldog becoming a Georgia Bulldog. I think that's a trend a lot of Georgia fans would love to see continue. Uh, we'll take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about the Elite 11 Finals, and also talk about what shores up uh, to be another uh, busy visit weekend for Georgia. Welcome back, everybody. Well, like we had mentioned before the break, uh, last week was a very big week with the Elite 11 Finals. Georgia had a pair of players there in Dylan Riola and Ryan Puglisi. Uh, Ben, I'll start with you. What did you learn or take away from what we got to hear out of Elite 11 Finals, um, what both quarterbacks showed, and and, uh, maybe what could get fans excited as we look forward to 2024? I mean, I don't think there was any huge surprises necessarily. Like if you look at what maybe your expectation for Dylan Riola was going into the event, like you know that he's a sort of, he has that gravitational pull about him, I guess is how you would say. Like it felt like guys sort of gravitated to him over the course of the event. Obviously he looks fluid when he's throwing a football. I know he did really, really well in the seven on seven session, which is probably where he excelled. And we've said it a million times, but Ryan Puglisi as a cannon, he went out there and flaunted that arm strength as well. I think that there's obviously developmental work and things like that for both of them that they'll take away from the week. I'll say probably my big takeaway, just talking with one of the coaches that was working on some of the drills with them out there in L.A. is he said adamantly, like, do not write Puglisi off in any of this. Like, obviously, I 
Raiola is going to have the leg up just by nature of the hype around his recruitment and his status and obviously the type of football player that he is as well. Um, but he wanted to make sure that I communicated that Puglisi is going to be a good football player and that he is someone that you shouldn't just sleep on as a secondary member of the class as a throw in at quarterback because he uh, he thought very highly of some of the stuff that he did last week in L.A. Certainly promising on that front for sure. Kip, uh, what did you make of what you learned and uh, what the two quarterbacks were able to do? Yeah, it's tough to really learn a lot about this. This is more for them just going out there and, and trying to take in as much as they can. These This is, you know, they have different settings. Some of these settings, you know, are actual football. But uh, with Dylan, it was, you know, that, that pro day, uh, which – that played to his strengths. You know, uh, he looked really comfort, uh, comfortable out there. Uh, I think just the structure of that was set up well to take advantage of his, of his strengths. But then the seven on seven, I think he was the best seven on seven guy out there. I mean, he had four touchdown passes out there, it was 13 to 16 with no turnover throws. And so, I mean, he can't dial it up much better than he did out there with wide receivers he's not familiar with. Probably also with wide receivers that were pretty gassed at that point. Usually when you go to these things, you look out there, you see there's like eight wide receivers and there's 30, you know, there's 30 quarterbacks out there. And so they're just running routes and running routes. And by like five, six o'clock, uh, I mean, they're just gassed. You know, usually they're trying to get to the front of the line and get out there and show out. But then they're, they're you know, they have their hands in their knees and they're pointing to the next guy. And so it's tough to really have your timing down. And, and a lot of these guys aren't five-star guys. They're local guys that, you know, they got to work out and get the chance to, you know, catch passes from elite quarterbacks. So there's also, there's timing there. These guys might not be able to catch a, you know, a, a deep ball from Dylan. Uh, you can probably. Uh, so I, I thought he, he looked about what I expected. And honestly, you look at uh, Puglisi as well, kind of, exactly what i thought just the fact that he's a gunslinger and he's very confident in his arm he just let it rip out there and his throws i mean you know he had a, a lot of zip on his throws but a couple of them would get away from him and that's just something that kind of comes to where he at, is at in this stage and it kind of reminded me a little bit of carson beck uh, coming out of high school the similar arm talent uh, a guy that you know that once he gets into college and gets with uh you know working with an offensive coordinator He's worked with uh, big-time quarterbacks before. Uh, can work on those mechanics, work on that timing and decision-making. And I, I think that he showed that his arm is as strong and as talented as anybody else's out there. So kind of what I expected, which is uh, Georgia fans should be excited. They have two of the best quarterbacks in the country in this class. I believe our experts had Dylan as the number two player in the Elite 11 Finals. A lot to be excited for with both quarterbacks, especially once they get to Athens. Speaking of Athens, another big weekend of visits for Georgia. Still sort of working through the list of who is going to be on campus uh, as Georgia gets closer and closer again, as hard as it is to believe, of closing out the month of June. Um, Kip, I'm going to start with you, and you can go as broad or uh, as narrow as you want to, just with what you're expecting to see this weekend, um, with what we're expecting as far as who's on campus um, and what could be another productive weekend for Georgia. Yeah, I'll start off just by saying, you know, uh, don't take the fact that Georgia didn't get any 2024 commits last week uh, as losing momentum. Uh, I know that this week, this month got off to a bang. Georgia got commitments out of guys that got on campus the first two weeks. 
Uh, and then, you know, one of the guys they visited this week committed the, or the visit last weekend committed to Florida directly after that. I wouldn't take that as, you know, that Georgia's slowing down. I expect they'll get one, if not multiple commitments from the group of visitors, the 11 guys that came in last weekend, especially you look at that defensive line with LJ McCray, Aiden Breland coming into town. I, I, I like their chance. Those are both 50-50 recruitments right now. And, you know, I think if you're getting a coin flip battle with Georgia, you're probably going to lose one of those. So I, I think that Georgia adds to his defensive line class from that group. And then looking ahead to this weekend, one thing I'll say about the group of visitors as it stands, we record this podcast Tuesday uh, around noon. Uh, the group of 11 will probably look very different and might be fewer visits uh, by Friday, but I think some names will get switched out. This is usually what happens the last weekend in June. The recruiting boards change, uh, spots fill, but then also, you know, a lot of these guys were kind of long shot guys to begin with. They're, you know, this guy's that kind of on the board. So I think looking at the group of official visitors now, uh, you, you got the duo Oak Ridge with, Ju- you know, Justin Williams coming in, his teammate Joseph uh, Jonah Ayange coming in as well, defensive lineman, edge target. Those are the kind of the main guys we're focusing on right now because we, we've been covering the recruitments over the last month. We're watching those two this to see if Georgia can kind of, you know, maybe close the deal on those guys, maybe get some decisions uh, out of the way soon. And, and then the rest of the group, just kind of stay tuned. Ben, what do you think of how this is shaping up uh, for another busy weekend for Georgia? You Kip called out the two people that I'm really probably most interested about, not to say that there aren't going to be compelling recruitments that come out of this weekend beyond that, but the two guys from Oak Ridge in Texas, Joseph Jonah Ajanye and Justin Williams are the two that I think everybody will be watching very, very closely. I mean, Justin Williams is likely the the best remaining linebacker that Georgia is recruiting. Um, you know, talk, and I'll have this and some stuff that I put out later this week too, but the linebacker, it sounds like Georgia's telling linebackers that they've got one more spot at that position. So I think that makes it really interesting with the DeMarcus Riddick recruitment and how that ends up playing out, but also the two guys that they had on campus this past weekend and then Justin Williams coming up as well. Like, I'm really interested. I think I've said this probably every time we've talked, like I'm fascinated by how the spots end up playing out at all these various position groups, but we really are in that numbers crunching time of year. Um, So I think Justin Williams coming off his Oregon visit, how does that Kirby Smart versus Dan Lanning recruitment end up playing out? I'm sure there will be many more of those in years to come. And then his teammate, uh, you know, Joseph feels like a guy that really is a Georgia lean. I mean, he is, if you just go to his social media accounts, he is very pro-Georgia on his social media accounts. And um, I know coming off of his Oklahoma visit last weekend, a lot of the people on the Oklahoma side were even saying they felt that it was Georgia's recruitment to lose. So those are the two specific guys that I'll be looking at to Kip's point. As we get a better look at what the specific official visit list is going to look like, there might be specific storylines that we'll want to key in on. But with those two specifically, I know that everybody will have a close watch on them. We'll continue to let you guys know who all is going to be on campus and uh, definitely have feedback coming out of the weekend, what guys are saying, how they're feeling after the visit. Uh, Georgia Men's Basketball Minute, this is going to take about 15 seconds. Uh, Rocco Miller from Bracketeer reported that Georgia will host Mount St. Mary's on Wednesday, December 20th. Now, if Georgia is in the playoff in football, may not be making that game. But if uh, by whatever reason I wind up being in Athens on the 20th, hey, go watch them play Mount St. Mary. Sounds like a fun time.
Well, on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode. Appreciate uh, Ben and Kip for popping on. Appreciate everybody who tuned in and check this out live. Everybody who is listening to this after the fact. But uh, we're going to get out of here. Got a lot to do and uh, make it through another busy week of June. So until next time, take care, everybody. Praise the Lord.